I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. Happy Friday as we record it. Uh, or actually, no, it's Thursday. We are doing it a day early for various reasons. Um, <laughs> but uh, the whole point of us recording this episode is to talk about things that we can't really talk about. Um, oh, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it. But essentially, I think it kind of comes down to the question of how much do you know going into a TV show? Or this this conversation might also broaden out to films. I have one example in mind. Um, how much do you know going in? How much do you want to know? How much do you need to know? And what's the middle ground there? And the inspiration for this comes from an upcoming Netflix series called Russian Doll, the premise for which I am not going to spoil, we are not going to talk about in this episode, most because Ben hasn't, but Ben does not know the premise, and Ben does not want to get spoiled for it. Uh, and as someone who experienced the show without really knowing what the hell it was about, and just kind of enjoyed the screeners and you know very quickly figured out what the show was about after watching it, as you do. Um, point is, uh, you know, Russian Doll has kept its premise pretty much under wraps, and it's now now they've released a new trailer that pretty clearly lays out the you know exact blank meets blank that it that it that it basically comes in, comes down to being but uh yeah the thing so now that that's a little bit more out there it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the way people respond to the show well it's an interesting challenge that you know all all marketing departments all you know distributors have to decide on their own in that you know the goal of all of this of trailers of promotion of of discussion is to generate you know, a conversation and awareness uh, about the show. Like you have to let people know that the show is available to watch and you have to give them a good reason to watch it. Um, it's not always so easy as, hey, you know, Channing Tatum is in this, so obviously you want to see it. Yeah. Like that's a pretty simple marketing tactic and one that they should employ as much as they possibly can. But, um, you know, if you're dealing with somebody like Natasha Leone, who definitely has a fan base and is definitely uh, an exciting creative spirit, but isn't on the, you know, global A-list level of, of, of a Channing Tatum, then, uh, then you know, you've got to give them a little bit more than that. Like, you've got to give them uh, a reason to tune in. And I think what's interesting to me about this conversation in particular, and this, you know, it fits into the, to the broader bubble, is looking at it through, you know, Netflix. I mm -hmm. mean, Netflix, they've experimented with everything from, you know, multi-year build-up for stuff like the next Stranger Things season oh, and, um, uh, you know, their, their bigger, you know, more expensive projects to surprise releases where, you know, maybe we get the trailer and the release date six days before it comes out. Right. Uh, maybe we get it the day of the Super Bowl, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's stuff like that where it's like, we don't need to do anything but release it. Like, we're Netflix. We can, we can control every well, aspect of well, it. Well, Netflix didn't just release the Cloverfield, Par Cloverfield Paradox, it, it did have a Super Bowl ad. Right, it had a Super Bowl preview. Um, right. So, like, that's, and that's the decision that they made, but it's not something fueled by months of careful marketing yeah. planning. It's, it's like, we're going to do it on this one event, and we're going to see how that works out for us, and count on that for, the, like, virtually all of the awareness, as well as the press releases they sent out to the, to the media sites. But, um, 
this is pretty traditional. Like mm-hmm. we're what a month out from from three weeks three, for Russian weeks. doll. Yeah, for yeah. Russian doll. So for them to get a trailer within that window, um, for us to have screeners as critics, so we could prepare for it. Um, for them to be setting up, you know, various interviews and and stuff like that. This seems like a fairly traditional rollout. Um, but as somebody who isn't clued into what it's about, and having talked to critics or seen critics, including obviously Liz here, um, be very enthusiastic about the show. That's kind of all I need. Like I, I know I got to review it. Uh, I know I got to watch it. I'm excited to do that. I like going in blind whenever I'm given the opportunity. Um, but you have to acknowledge on the same level, it's like that's not enough for everybody. Everybody's got a, a crowded marketplace. They, their queue is overflowing on, on Netflix. How do they decide what to watch? And it's not always easy enough to just say it's available, and yet it's weird. Like Netflix pumps out so much content, and people find it on their own in their own ways, and it's hard to tell what the trigger is going to be you know, to get, well, what it is that's going to get them to pull the trigger and watch the show. Yeah, I mean... The the when I mentioned we might talk about movies earlier, uh, I wasn't thinking about something from Netflix. I was thinking about um, a movie, the trailer for which I've seen the the a movie where I've seen the trailer for it approximately a half dozen times at this point, and that is a Dog's Way Home, uh, which. You saw any Sony movie released over the Christmas break, or if you saw any family movie released over the Christmas break, or if you saw Into the Spider Verse twice in theaters the way I did, uh, you saw that trailer a lot. And the thing about that trailer, have you seen it, Ben? Yeah. Okay. So the thing about that trailer, and people are like, "Man, it just shows you the whole movie." And the thing about the thing about that movie, though, is about it's about a dog, a very cute dog who gets lost, and it, I don't know if you guessed, but he. The dog, she she finds her way home. Yeah, it's in the trailer. You <laughs> yeah. don't have to guess. But here's the thing. The audience for that movie, specifically dog people, feel very, that very, very specific audience feels very, very strongly that if they're going to watch a movie about a dog, nothing bad can happen to the dog. The dog has to be okay. And thus, uh, that's why they show the whole movie in the trailer to, be, to say to the dog people, it's okay. The dog is fine. Yeah, I mean, that's not a lot of Leftovers fans in that crowd, but... The, the Venn diagram between Leftovers fans and dog people is pretty much zero. Uh, I'm, I'm not that's saying, not true at all. I, I mean, I'm Justin Thoreau no, is one of the biggest proponents of dogs in the universe. No, I'm saying I'm saying the dog people we're talking about here, the people right. who can't... Like, Justin, if Justin Thoreau was a dog person, he would not have been in a show where they shoot dogs. Well, he is, he is a dog person. I think you should... Dog, capital D, capital P. Uh, dog person. I don't. Know. I guess maybe we need. I think we need to qualify it as like the dog movie person. The like dog. The, okay. Like the the people who will go watch the dog movies for God knows what reason. Um, yeah, I dog. mean, I, I and I mean, I get that too. But like, you make a gif from that trailer and you just put it on loop and you're good. Like you've seen, like you've seen everything you paid to see otherwise. But that like, dog goes on an adventure and it gets, it gets, it gets to make new friends. Just multiple gifs. Watch the trailer again. Like it's all there. And I, I mean, I agree that depending on what the movie is, your strategies have to change. Like you have to understand what audience you're trying to appeal to. It's why something like. I think, you know, like we alluded to earlier, the OA can be successful in that a lot of the hook is the mystery of what is this thing? Like we get a very basic tease about like this woman disappears and she comes back. I think the initial synopsis they sent us for that, even when it was in development, was something like a woman 
disappears and seven years later or whatever it is 17 a long time later shows back up and she's blind or no she was blind and now she can see i don't know something yeah. like that it's been a while since i watched the oa but we got a very brief snippet and that was it and because they only gave us that and we knew who was involved and it was a big netflix thing and it the the basics of the show was you know sci-fi mystery kind of like what's actually happening here that plays into kind of the release strategy of it, where something like, you know, the dog movie, <laughs> you you are just trying to convince people that they're going to have a pleasant, warm experience for people who really just want to go to the movies and have a pleasant, warm experience. Right. And, um, you know, that's the trailer that's meant for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it comes to stuff that where it's kind of, maybe it doesn't have a very clear audience, maybe it hasn't doesn't have like a, a track record of how to set it up, because... Is Russian Doll Doll an hour long or is it a half hour? A half hour, half hour, eight episodes. Yeah, so it's. I mean, it's it's a little bit. I don't think there's a clear benchmark as to how to sell this. I mean, I think there's people who will hear names like Natasha Lyonne and Amy Poehler who will perk up. I think there's people who you know just constantly you know track Netflix um, who will like certain as who I'm who I'm sure on sight unseen would like certain aspects of the premise and respond to that. Um, but it's it's interesting to kind of think about what audience they're gearing toward or gearing gearing for going for in that uh, with that show, and then how their approach to it marketing wise could change things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting because I hadn't really thought about who, what the audience for the show is, and I think because it's it's because it's got it's got genre elements, but it also is very. Not, I'm not going to say Apatowy, but it's uh, w- one of the creators is also Leslie Headland, who did Bachelorette and uh, Sleeping with Other People, and you know it has a lot of that like kind of element to it. Uh, so, yeah, it's I mean it's it's like I think that is the question of like that we're kind of circling around, and I feel like the thing is if you do this badly, it has an effect on things. Um, I. We're not. I'm not going to reveal what the basic premise of the Amazon series Forever is. Um, it was one of the most interesting shows I watched last year. Uh, I don't know if it was one of the best. I did, but it definitely like it's one I've kept thinking about and coming back to. And everyone I've talked to who's seen it, you know, is like has pre- has ha- had a pretty strong reaction to it as well. And unfortunately, like. It's still like the the when they in, in the run up to the show they were like we don't want to reveal anything about the premise. It's about you know Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph are a couple. They're married. Marriage is hard. That's what the show's about. That is not what the show's about. The show's about a lot more. Um, and of course, but they really didn't want any of the more dramatic elements of the show to get out there. And to the point where I think they really kind of shot themselves in the foot. Like, I think, like, you know, just, and I'm saying this as someone who wanted people to watch the show and wanted people to check it out. Like, the the opening twists that lead to the rest of the show are pretty twisty, pretty big, but I don't think it hurt them at all. I I think, I I don't think it would have hurt them at all to really kind of lean into more of it, especially because by not being able to talk about the what the premise is, you can't talk about like the back half of the season, including one of the best episodes of television from last year, uh, which is deeply frustrating. And I, I and I, I think I, I was thinking about this because I think 
Maybe I was just at like an I was at an, I was at the Amazon Golden Globes party and they had a sizzle reel playing on a monitor, and they just like it was just uh, the same the same couple of a couple of scenes of footage that they showed uh, in the original trailer back when the show came out. And at this point, like this this should be the time when you're able to kind of openly talk about the premise of the show, and yet they have not. Yeah, and I think that's that's a yeah for as for as conventional as as the rollout for Russian Doll has been and, and looks to be so far. Um, I think that example of forever is, is pretty good about just how controlling people are getting these days. And we've had multiple discussions in the past about spoiler culture, and this ties into that in, in a lot of ways because what spoiler culture is all about is people get really afraid of learning something they didn't want to know because they've already decided they're going to watch that. Right. Or, They've already decided they're interested enough where they might watch it, so they're just they're on guard and they're protective. Um, but people have to make decisions about what to let out. They have to, um, you know, decide. <laughs> they have to decide, you know, how much of the premise they're going to give away, how much of the story they're going to give away, how much of the cast they're going to give away. Um, you know, th- there's all of these things that. Um, you know, on a lot of the bigger shows, you know, they'll talk with the creators, they'll talk with the writers, directors, you know, producers, showrunner, whoever's in charge of it, and, you know, they'll get their input, and then they'll try to decide, you know, what's best moving forward based on that, but once the show's out there, like, once the show is kind of handed over to people for um, analysis, for, uh, for just appreciation, for just, like, consumption, you know, then it's kind of out of their hands, like, and, and the idea of trying to control that that narrative when it's really just up to the culture seems strange to me. Like there's certain people that have responsibilities where you shouldn't give stuff away if you feel like it could damage the experience. But because everybody's experience is different and because there's people out there who will literally read the entire script or read the Wikipedia page of something and then go watch it because they're like, well, that was interesting and I want to see how they play it out. Um, and then there's people who won't even click on like a news story that mm-hmm. says what the release date is because they're worried there's going to be something like even a punny joke in the nut graph. Like they're going to go across that extreme. But once something has actually been released, you know, it's it's not up to anybody anymore. It's mm-hmm. just kind of up to the culture at large in terms of, well, what are we going to talk about with this movie or yeah. this show? Yeah, and I think you make a pretty good point in that in just your own actions, uh, Benjamin, in terms of like how, like, do you actually know what the premise of Forever is? Do you know what happens in the yeah. show? Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, you did watch finish, it? I just didn't finish it. Okay. Um, but did you know beforehand? I did not know beforehand. Okay. So, but you, so you, but you actively work because like by the time you watched it, there was stuff available online. You could have, yeah. you could have, you could have been spoiled. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I made the choice to, uh, protect myself but I think it did damage the show that some people were told not to have those conversations like not to not to put those articles online not to hold interviews about them not to go out and and, you know talk about it in any way like they wanted it kept under wraps just as, as a matter of protection and I think having that stuff as readily available to people as quickly as possible mm-hmm. really helps the conversation 
be fueled. Like it fuels the conversation because you can talk about anything you want to talk about. Right. And, you know, as, as critics, we feel all the time when we watch a show, it's like, oh, fuck, I really want to talk about that eighth episode, but you're not going to watch it for two months. So I can't talk about that right now when I'm writing the review. Right. But it's not that way when people actually have access to everything. Like mm-hmm. they can watch it whenever they want. And once they've seen it, they want to talk about whatever came up that they need to talk about. So that needs to be an option for them. Right. Otherwise, they're just not going to talk about it. They're not going to share it. They're not going to tell their friends. They're just going to kind of sit with it. And that doesn't do the show any favors. So mm. it's um, it's something everybody has to decide for themselves, but you don't want to, you never want to quelch enthusiasm. Like, mm-hmm. when, even if it's bad, like, look at what's happening with Bird Box. Like, a lot of people who are talking about Bird Box right now are ready, readily admitting it's not a good movie. Like, this thing was was pretty poorly conceived, and it's kind of silly, and they really take advantage of, of weird kind of uh, gross internal just... observations to see suicide, like, happen on screen in really egregious, extreme ways. I'm, but... the, I'm just shocked that it took this long for a movie to tell me that the way to learn how to be a mother is to have an apocalypse happen. Sure. And, yeah. I mean, that's... Like, that's an element of the movie where it's like, oh, I didn't know it was about motherhood. And it's like, well, I, I mean, deal with it. Like, there's, there's a lot that's going to that's gonna come up about it. But so far, that has only fueled online conversation to the point where even the people who don't like it are still talking about it because it's become something that is driving a discussion. And right. that's the most valuable thing these days when it comes to just having something be seen. You need a discussion around it. You need that kind of atmospheric urge where it seems like it's unavoidable because that puts the pressure on people to watch it before they get spoiled or before it's too late and you know that's that's good yeah <laughs> if, if especially if it's a good show well it kind of and also i have to say i kind of i'm appreciating the fact that netflix is you know i feel like netflix is more and more figuring out how to promote things on on the platform and like especially movies like because they used to have a real trouble real trouble like getting Getting their movies to get getting their movie original movies to like a meme place, if you will. Yeah. Um, well, I I mean the only argument I'd make to that is just that this was Sandra Bullock. Like that is true. Like she's di- she's another level. Like. But to I, be but but to, but to be fair, like people have been reporting on Twitter that like they've overheard conversations. They're like, oh yeah, that lady from the movie about the birds and boxes. I know, but but it's like a fire. Like if you've got you know, a, a, a starter log as big as Sandra Bullock. Right. Once those people who are just there for Sandy show it, it grows the fire like that. Right. Like it's a lot easier to get that thing going. Like, I, I think they're still struggling to figure out ways to make sure that everything is known. There was There's movies that get missed on there. I found out that Nicole Hoffson, Hall of Center released a movie on Netflix last year, and that drives me nuts that I didn't realize that at the time. Which one? I don't even remember the name of it. Like I just I was I went to see Can You Ever Forgive Me mm-hmm. and her like I like I she's a co-writer on that movie. Yeah, she came in to kind of make it good. Um, she was supposed to direct it, had to drop out when they lost stars. Anyway, um, that sent me down the Nicole Hall Center rabbit hole, and I was like, wait a second, what's this movie? I didn't realize she had a movie last year, and it's just it's sitting there on Netflix, and it's a lot harder to sell a movie that's just Nicole Hall Center instead of Sandra Bullock, but. You know that's the the fate of Netflix, and that's that's a challenge that kind of goes beyond just what can we say about it, like what can we give away about the movie to mm-hmm. get people interested. Um, but 
it's all tied into the same beast. Like it's all tied into that that kind of delicate awareness where like how much and how loudly can we shout about something without ruining it, but but causing people to get interested. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, we've talked about, as you said, we've talked about spoilers on this podcast before, but I feel like there have been a couple of times in my life where one very, very carefully deployed spoiler has gotten me more invested than I can say in, you know, in a project. And it's, it's um, like, I won't get into details, but yeah, like, I feel like sometimes, sometimes you need to, there is like that one nugget of information you need that uh, pushes you over the edge. I think of I think of spoilers almost as an emergency shoot now, where <laughs> like if you're if you if you jump out of the plane and and you're falling and you know everything else isn't going right, like you've tried like I've tried to tell you, hey, it's good, and they're like, all right, and you're like, all right, hey, it's got it's got Brad Pitt, and you're like, mm, I'm not really a big Brad Pitt fan. Then you're like, all right, well, it's it's I mean, it's it's only six episodes, like yeah, you know, it's not bad. They're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's an hour long. I, I just don't have time for it. It's like emergency shoot time. I'll pull out whatever weird spoiler might happen. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt shows his wing. Brad, yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt gets his dick out. Like that would that would be a pretty. Like, I don't I don't know how that would actually be a spoiler, but I'm thinking about all of the other movies where it's already been talked about. Like whoever, like it's like. Chris Pine's peen is in yeah. Outlaw King. Like, I still it's not, need to see Outlaw it's King. It's not a spoiler. Like, it doesn't ruin anything about the movie. It's just like an aspect of it that that would obviously entice somebody. But anyway, it's like you only pull that cord when you have to. If it's right. like I'm so desperate for you to watch this, I will do whatever it takes. And like if I feel like you really are never going to see it, then what's the harm? And at the same time, you know. It's very hard to gauge when somebody's that committed. Like when they're like, I'm not going to watch it. And you're like, can I spoil it? And that's when you do it. Yeah. I feel like I've had the can I spoil this for you conversation so many times lately. And a lot of times I've been, I've been hearing more and more yeses than I used to. I feel like I used to ask that a lot. And people would be like, no, nah, I'm going to see it. But, you know, people are getting more and more jaded. Yeah. I mean, and it's – I think it's part of the culture – we're in where there's just so much content and there's so much where you'll hear bits and pieces. So then again, if somebody comes to you and they're excited about something, that's just a bigger piece for you to be like, I got to make the time for it. Like I like in the back of your head, you might know you're like, Oh God, I'm never going to get to this for like two months, but you're like, well, in, but in two months I'll, I'll do it. So then you just protect yourself. But you know, that doesn't help the, the people scouring data, trying to discern if their show was a success or not. <laughs> and it's like, well, in two months they're going to watch it. It's like, well, fucking great. That doesn't mean a lot to me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I feel like I empathize a lot more with um, the marketing and PR teams behind stuff these days because it really is hard to get the message out. It's hard to get the word out, like mm -hmm. unless you just... I mean, I have the magic key. It's hard to make sure that they know your show is a available, b how you watch it, mm -hmm. and c you know the mysterious want. No, I send at least two dozen emails every week uh, to PR people, and literally just saying it's it, it's not going to happen. Like I can't I can't write about this release date. I can't we can't get this trailer up. We're not going to be able to do that interview. I'm sorry. And yeah, and I feel really, and you can tell, and tonally, like that, you know, you can tell it's it's sad. It's like everyone, you know, it would be nice to be able to write about everything, um, but you got to sell us. And uh, yeah, and that, and that's it's never an easy sell. Yep. But really, 
There are, but there is a lot of good stuff out there is the problem, which leads me to ask, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? I mean, the best thing I watched last week was You're the Worst. Um, oh, stop rubbing it in. I mean, FXX was great, gracious enough to give us all of the final season. And, uh, you know, I got to spend some time on that set. I've obviously been tracking the show now since it came out. Um, so it, it was... <laughs> it it meant a lot how it ended like it meant a lot to kind of see what they decided to tell in these last 13 episodes you know what the focus was going to be and um i mean it's almost an an unavoidable decision that they made but it was a good one and uh the ending is something that lines up with everything they've been saying for the last few years um but it's also it's really funny and it's really smart and it gives itself room to kind of consider things that are t- difficult to talk about, just just really dark, hard aspects of romance and friendship where a lot of people want to skirt past it. Um, and the show, it, it's, it's very good at finding ways to draw that in, um, in part because, you know, it's filled with characters who just kind of go there at the drop of a hat. You know, they could be assholes and they will go to that extreme when other people are you know, a little too polite to do so. Yep. But, um, but no, it's, it's great. It's a great final season. Uh, it just started last week. So make sure you tune in. Um, we'll have a lot more about it, uh, coming up on the site, obviously, but, but yeah, that was the best thing. Nice. Um, Elizabeth, how about you? Best thing you watched last week? Uh, I've watched a few series actually this week, seasons actually this week that I've really enjoyed. Um, most of which are, I think, under embargo to some degree. Oh boy! Yes, but one is one one of one is definitely not because, as you listen to this, my review should be up, uh, barring any sort of like cataclysmic event. Um, but I really, I was really down on sex education when I first checked it out about a month ago. Um, I was just like not feeling it, and for any number of reasons, I could have just been in the wrong mood or something. But it really turns out to be a very charming, interesting, and honest comedy about you know having sex and what if having sex and ha- being in re- being in relationships all through the at when you are young and still figuring it out and don't really know what the hell you're doing and it also kind of highlights the fact that nobody really knows what the hell they're doing um <clears throat> and that's kind of a ongoing mission statement i think for the show and it all comes together really nicely there's some really well-drawn characters it's you know it it, it it was very pleasant. It reminded me in some respect, it, it basically reminded me of a very pleasant, a very pleasant sort of high school drama, like kind of like the antithesis almost to 13 Reasons Why. Like you watch 13 Reasons Why and you don't feel particularly good about the world. Um, or about that show. hey Yes. But uh, it was, uh, uh, sex education remains like, but it had its, uh, you know, it had its charms. Uh, it had a lot of charm, and uh, I was actually really impressed by Asa Butterfield. I thought he proved himself as a leading man uh, of 16 or however old he actually is. He's, but he 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 care, he was he is the star of the show. Like Gillian Anderson also is in the show. I mean, he didn't do that when he made Hugo, like okay. Best Picture nominee. So, Martin Scorsese directed feature film. It was really good in the theater. <laughs> Are you just like slamming? Are you? Is this a? Are you being real about Hugo? Or are you just? Hugo's great. He's a good. It's a good movie. Yeah, 
But there were a lot of people in that movie. I'm just saying. Also the shitty, oh, Ender's Game, wasn't that Yes, him? he was also in Ender's Game. He was, he did his, everyone in that movie did their best. That movie just should never have happened. Um, that movie was a bad idea. Just a bad idea all around. Um, so, yes. Point is, Ace of Motherfield was really good. Gillian Anderson was really good. This is probably the closest in my lifetime I've gotten to see her do what I really want her to do, which is star in a romantic comedy. Um, and she at least gets to occasionally smile in this and be be kind of funny. Like, and you know, given that we know she can be very funny, that was that was exciting. Um, <sighs> yeah, she changed her Twitter profile to Shag Expert. So Did she? Pretty, yeah. Wonderful. Pretty good. She's great. Um, for 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 from what from whatever I've heard. I thought it said Shack Expert at first, and I was like, wait a second, I don't get this. And then I bet she knows. I bet she knows a fair amount about Shack. Sure. We all live in the United States. Ergo, you all, everyone knows that Shack can't make three throws. Sure. That's not a universally known fact. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I don't think that would qualify you as an expert. On Shaq? Yeah. Let's make you more of an expert on Shaq than anyone else. Like, I think you'd need to know a lot more, like, say, <laughs> the professional basketball teams he played for and where he went to school and what he's doing now and, I don't know, at least five of his films. <laughs> I'm glad that we're qualifying. We've created a metric for whether or not you can consider yourself a Shaq fan. I just know there's some people out there who've written in-depth uh, analyses and, and kind of like... Uh, anniversary reactions to the film Kazam. So I think they might be more Shaq, more of a Shaq expert than, say, Gillian Anderson, who's been randomly chosen by my misreading of her Twitter profile. Fair enough. But then again, she know, she she maybe knows a little bit more about the movie Shazam, starring Sinbad. I hope not. I mean, sure, but I hope not. Well, she, it was in it was in an X Files episode, so she definitely knows about it. I provided mean, I, she actually no, I take that back because they never know anything about the show because they right, never yeah. pay attention. They don't, they don't hold that stuff. No, you know, they do their, not retain in that information. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ben, what was the best thing you're? What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, I mean, honestly, I think the next thing I'm I'm really looking forward to is watching more episodes of I Am the Night. <laughs> Because uh, you like to say it out loud and feel like Batman? I think it's a stupid title. Like, I, <laughs> I really I don't think it works very well. Um, I've consistently misset it to Turner Publicist, and every time I apologize, they're like, no, it's fine. And I feel like I'm not the only one with this problem. Yeah, I, I mean, they really should have just, like, they could have called it Chris Pine's Untitled TV Show. I would and still like, watch it. That could have literally come across the screen when episodes began, and I think it would have done much better, well, or will do, would have done. It hasn't come out yet. Anyway, but that's a little bit, that's a little bit away. So I'm, I'm going to say that I'm, I'm tentatively looking forward to uh, Wayne. Oh new, Lord! The new Bruno Heller Batman adjacent series. Um, you mean Pennyworth? Shit! Is he because Wayne? Pennyworth? Which he, one's Wayne? Wayne is uh, Wayne is the YouTube re- original, a re- YouTube premium show from the creators of Deadpool too. Wait, which one did Bruno Heller work on then? Br- Pennyworth for Epics. When's that coming out? I don't know. Sometime. We're gonna learn about the secret life of Alfred. Ben is looking this up now. Oh, wow, he's always 
Oh, wait. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not looking forward to Wayne anymore. <laughs> You're not uh, looking <laughs> I was... I was going to tie it in because I was like, I'm skeptical of this thing. But because I was originally skeptical of Gotham, where I was like, listen, I don't know how well a show titled Gotham that really isn't about Batman is going to work. As much as I love James Gordon and as much as I love Ben McKenzie, uh, I was obviously proven wrong. So I was like, well, you know, this could happen again, but it's different people. So I'm just going to go with I don't trust this show. I am going to watch it, so I'll give it a fair shake. But right. Uh, so let's stick with I Am the Night as my next thing I'm looking forward to, but we'll call it for now Chris Pine's untitled TNT series. Yep. Fair enough. It's only six episodes. But he doesn't Watch show it. His, but he doesn't show his wang. Spoiler alert. He shows his wang. <laughs> Wait, he does I not. pulled the trigger. <laughs> he does not show his wang. He doesn't show it in the first episode, but I can't promise that he won't show it in future episodes. You know, you make a very fair point here. Boom. 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 Uh, Liz, for the love of God, <laughs> choose something else. <laughs> what What are you looking forward well, to Well, I was actually going to call our shot. Um, I was going to call our shot. I'm going to declare it. We're going to do this because we put it off already one week. Next thing I'm looking forward to is Gotham. Oh, yay. Because next week. No, are, no, no. We don't know about next week. We're going to talk about That's Gotham. too much of a commitment. We're going to talk about Gotham before the season ends. Okay, we are going to talk about Gotham before the season ends. But yeah. I, I feel like I'm just going to kind of dive into season five, not having watched anything from... I've watched off and on over the years, but I haven't... I'm not like a... Don't don't quiz me on... Basically, I, every time I watch a previously on, I'm like, oh, so that person's evil now? That person's sleeping with that person? Season two is real good. Season four was solid. Season three is okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. Yeah, Gotham. I mean, I'm also looking forward to a hundred other things. Like, I need to watch You're the Worst real, real bad. The fact of only seeing the first two episodes drives me a little crazy. Um, but yeah, lots of good stuff on the horizon. And you'll be able to read all about it and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Make sure to listen to IndieWire's other podcasts, um, including... Oh, God. I almost said Mike Schneider's Aww, turn Oh, we miss you, Mike, if you're uh, listening, but you're probably not. I mean, just... Continue to seek out Mike Schneider on the air uh, and on, on the pods. Uh, he's wherever. been on NPR recently. He's right. been killing it. Yeah, he's been around, uh, and that's that's good things. But uh, in the IndieWire immediate family, uh, make sure to check out the one that started it all, Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson's Screen Talk, where I'm sure right now they're just pulling their hair out over what's going to happen with the Oscars. Um and then, of course, you know, the calm, reserved, but, you know, ferociously talented Chris O'Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. You know, you just can't miss that one. He's been getting good people. Always does, Chris O'Fault. Never as good as him, but always good people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. That's correct. Uh, I should note this is episode 196. We are four episodes away from episode two, 200. 2,000. 2,000. Let's just add these zero. Why not? But yeah, episode 200 is coming up. And uh, because Ben says we can't, we can't do cake. No cake. No cake. We have to figure out other things. We've got some, a couple of ideas in the works, but if you have any ideas for what we should do for episode 200, we will happily take them, especially if those ideas include you should be sent, you know, scotch by the, by the listening audience. I mean, not scotch. Bourbon? I mean, bourbon's good, but I don't, I don't think, uh, no more sending us stuff. Like, you can send us things like, like good iTunes reviews and... Oh, yeah, you can do um, that. You know, like letters of, of, hey, I love the leftovers thanks to Ben and Liz's podcast. <laughs> 
um, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe like remembrances of times gone by because my memory sucks. So like you need to help me out. Send me some stuff where it's like, I remember episode 64 when Yeah. I got nothing because I don't remember it. So yeah. help us out. <laughs> Wait, but I but I, I want them I want things. I like Oh my god. I like You get plenty of stuff. But we I, got but, too much shit in the office. No, I need I need more things. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. You use the things that are in there and then you can have more things. Well, I only have like one thing of bourbon. If I drink my bourbon, can I get then have more bourbon? Yeah. Okay. So I'll have to drink you my You gotta get rid of the stars liquor bottles on the shelf too. No, no, no. Those will kill you. Listen, I didn't say you had to drink them. I said you had to get rid of them. So you won't let me throw them out. So for, I don't know why this is important information for you, gentle listener, but we have had uh, three bottles of uh, Stars branded, Stars show branded uh, liqueurs. Black sales. Black sales. We, we had two, two shows of which are no longer on the air. Yeah. But we drank all the Outlander whiskey. Great. Um, Let's get rid of the stuff that is both poison <laughs> And we don't want. Look, we don't know that the power the power brandy infused with gold leaf would actually kill us. We do. <laughs> At this point, we do. It's not like wine. It doesn't age. It doesn't get better with age. Speaking of which, we also have that married wine. It's also in like a, it's like in a it's in one of those tiny little bottles that wasn't mass produced. So like they definitely took like another bottle and poured it in and just put a top on it. It's not like it's not like it's preserved. Okay. If I okay, so if yeah, if I get if rid you of the do these if, things, then if, you can ask for booze. Okay, that seems fair. Or, or other stuff. Or other stuff. Okay, but we've set the terms now. But the other stuff, if it's if it's redundant with things that are in the office currently, then we have to get rid of those things. You know what we don't have a lot of in the office right now? Jillian uh, Anderson pictures. Cake. We have a lot of Jillian Anderson pictures in the office. We I actually don't think we do. Well, like I guess on the computers. Right. Yeah. That is true. We are lacking in Jillian Anderson photos. Uh, anyways, sorry about that. We are going to end the episode now. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week. And as always, keep watching television. 